Hey guys, welcome to the Seven Figure Box Show. This is Andrew Frezza, and in today's episode, I have Tim Thackeray of the Juice Compound on the show. And I wanted to bring Tim on for a couple reasons. Number one is that we've ran his youth empowerment system at our gym, which is basically a character-driven fitness system similar to martial arts, but a kid-style program um, that's based on this character-driven levels-based system, which is really cool. So I want to hear his thoughts on how he built that and how he could see it being possibly applicable to an adult setting. And I also want to bring on Tim because he's really doing some interesting things in the online space these days. He's always done individual programming. He's always done group programming for the last few years, but he's really shifted and focused his mindset and his offers to helping a specific type of person. And it's allowed him to be able to help uh, more people, help them in a deeper way and migrate into more medium ticket and high ticket offers, which is allowing him to make more money and have some more freedom at the same time. So we dive into all that in this episode. I think you guys will enjoy it a lot. And before I let you get into the episode, wanted to remind you on our upcoming immersion that's coming up in 2021. We still have some dates available and we're going to be opening some more in the mid part of 2021 where you can spend two and a half days learning from me and our team. So if you guys are interested, head over to sevenfigurebox.com slash immersion and enjoy today's episode. So Tim, I was hoping we were start, first of all, welcome to the show, but I was hoping we could start with getting a little bit of your career highlights because following you over the years, uh, we share a mutual friend in Chris Thorndike. Yep. I've seen little bits and pieces and it feels like you've lived nine different lives in the, the fitness space. So can you give us some of the, the highlights of your story uh, over the years? Yeah, I'll, I'll try and keep it condensed because uh, there's a bunch of different avenues. I my initial path, I thought I was going to train for the Olympics and, and make the Olympic team in Taekwondo. I lived at the Olympic Training Center. I was on the national team for almost a decade, traveled the world, got a bronze medal at the World Championships and a gold medal at the Pan American Games. Uh, didn't make the Olympic team, but I did beat the 2008 Olympic gold medalist. I did beat the 2004 Olympic silver medalist. Uh, you know, it That's has impressive. Been- it's, it's cool. It's frustrating, but you see it in weightlifting how now they have limited spots based on it's a similar thing that you can yeah. go. It doesn't matter if you're as good. Someone else's has a spot there and that's the name of the game. So uh, after that, I thought I'm sick of sports. I want to do the most opposite thing of sports. So I uh, went to school for political science, undergrad and graduate school at UCLA and thought I'll just be a professor. And while I was going to do that, I didn't want to take the call that stipend where you had to kind of work for a professor and do their dirty work. And I thought, I'll teach Taekwondo and I'll teach a little fitness. I was doing CrossFit at 24 Hour Fitness with a woman named Kristen Clever, who obviously won the CrossFit Games in 2010. Uh, and we thought, hey, I have a few kids on my driveway doing this. We have some people wanting to you know, train with us at the gym. If I got a little spot, and this is how you know, my thinking was, if we had 60 people paying like a hundred bucks a month that this would be like, my wife could probably quit her job because everything's profit, obviously. <laughs> yeah, she can quit her job. I can Simple get through math. graduate school and yeah. I'll be a professor. And uh, this is like 2008. And so quickly that turned into me dropping out of graduate school my second year and our gym growing by 2011. I think we were about 300 members or so 
And I realized I needed to get a lot better at coaching, at lifting, at, at running a business. And that was really the, the seed of, I think, some of these different avenues that uh, I, I got into to, to become a better coach. I wanted to find a weightlifting coach and it just happened to be that Bob Tucano was around the corner. He's a USA hall of fame weightlifting coach. And I just walked in, like is walking to any schlubs gym. And, you know, uh, he said he wanted to make a comeback in the coaching. And so he said, Hey, if you compete for me, I'll help teach you about program design and coaching in this unique area. I thought, all right, that's cool. I'll do that. And so I ended up uh, competing in lifting for a bit. I qualified for nationals and American open in weightlifting, but it was really like my retirement kind of thing to, to run the business better, uh, to be a better coach. And that then got my eyes opened. I think to a lot of stuff I'm doing now of what was the purpose? What was the intent behind the prescriptions we're writing? How did we get to this point uh, in training clients and servicing them in their long-term development? All these things I'm really fascinated by. Uh, I think jumped off there. Yeah. So what, what are the different projects you have going on today? What are the different things you still have going on? Yeah. So when our gym grew, uh, one of the first ones was trying to help a really broad member base, right? 300 people, 200 people, even nowadays, everyone's coming in from different walks of life to people's gyms or the coaching service they want. And how did I help them get the training they needed uh, without, you know, just jumbling them all uh, and mix mosh stuff. The stuff that was really kind of happening a lot in 2010, 2011 fitness space. Uh, so I started doing individual design for people then and trying to get better at that. And that's my number one thing I do is individual program design, coaching, lifestyle, nutrition uh, stuff, especially for people that are former athletes, coaches, and business owners, I'd say is my number one group I connect with well. Mm -hmm. right? uh, if someone is 100 pounds overweight and they've never played a sport, I don't really connect with them that great whatever reason, there's other people they can go on the biggest loser and someone can cry with them on the couch. Like that's not my, not my jam, but for some people that's really effective. Uh, for me, if you're a former athlete and you're hundred pounds overweight, I can, I can get into the middle of your mind and we can make a path, whatever reason that is. And it's probably from my own background and blueprint, but that's the number one thing uh, from there. The other stuff kind of spawned off was the facility programming that I do in coaching development that really came from, again, having run the gym and trying to make more of me. So I had to be the one to train the coaches, which now I think everyone's getting how valuable that approach is that runs a gym. But again, 10 years ago, it felt like we were kind of screaming uphill uh, to try and you know not be the person doing everything in your business. So I do that for gyms. I have a kids fitness program licensing program called Youth Empowerment Systems. And basically what that is, is we took our martial art background and we said, what if a kid's fitness program was run based on uh, levels of progression, achievement, actual like black and white achievement, not just who the coach likes and who's the teacher's pet and focused on character development for kids and, and running, you know, martial arts schools and growing up in the martial arts industry. That's why, you know, not to pull the curtain back too far, but we can call it what it is no one brings their little kid into my martial arts school, which I own a martial arts school also, uh, because they think their kid's going to stop a bank robbery, right? They bring them in because they want them to be nicer at home 
and to be a good person to grow up and to be someone they actually want to talk to (laughs) and respect. So that's the formation of the program from there with it being level-based, just like martial arts. You learn this skill first, you learn this next skill. Same thing in weightlifting, I learned. These are the initial parts you learn, the next steps you go to here. If you follow like say, you know, traditional Russian uh, weightlifting progressions, how they've taken kids through stuff for years to their elite system. It's all very thought out. And it felt like we were just kind of throwing stuff uh, together there at people. Uh, That'd be the third. Those are the three main ones I do. Again, individual design, uh, gym programming and the kids fitness licensing program. And then, like I said, I own a martial arts school, which was the school that my parents opened up in 94 to have a place for me to train for the Olympics. Because like we were saying earlier, that's, that's how you do it, right? You open a gym so you can train more. Yeah. Yeah. We've, uh, we've all made this mistake. So you said that 300 member number, I was like, I hope they're still not paying a hundred dollars a month as you yeah. said with the, the, uh, right. the, the, the 60 members, but you know, we've all, we've all made a lot of those mistakes. Um, cool. We'll dive into each one of the individual sure. components. Um, but you have these four major things. It sounds like the, uh, martial arts studios is, is maybe the lowest of the four, but what's like your rough amount of time and attention that you're spending on each one. If you have a, a pie that's hundred percent, how much are you breaking down in each of those four? Yeah, I'd probably say that individual is gosh, probably 60 to 70% right now, just because it's the core, everything that I really, if I have to break down your training, you hire me to be your coach and you have these individual specific things you're trying to solve. I'm really trying to crack that code to figure out both from a holistic standpoint of what makes you tick, what are things you're going to do, even if that's not technically or scientifically what's correct, I have to get you moving towards that goal. So you get trust in me as a coach so I can get you to eventually start doing what is scientifically uh, correct and that you'll need. I've got to bridge that gap. So a lot of work goes into that part and that, is now the fuel for the gym programming stems from there. That gives me the insights really good into people because otherwise the gym, they say, Hey, we're, you know, this strength and conditioning facility. And what does every gym owner say that I talk to, you know, Tim, we're not a competitive gym. And I go, Oh, you mean Matt Frazier doesn't work out at your five thirty class. I had no idea that, but these people a lot of times come from strength and conditioning gyms. Like most people don't hire me first. They come through someone's program they uh, either had a specific need that that gym wasn't designed to solve, meaning they're solving the group problem. So they come through me or they maybe didn't get that specific need met to come through and now they get, get to me. So having worked with them helps me now reverse engineer what, how to design programming for that gym to solve that problem, right? Because I'm not trying to use this to poach into gyms, right? Go ahead. So, uh, I'm trying to kind of catch, get up to speed with what you're saying. Are you saying that most of the group gyms that you program for are gyms that, that you were already doing individual programming for some of their clients or the opposite way? Uh, uh, The the opposite. I I guess I'm saying the time it takes me to think and to put all the work together, most of that goes into individual and that gives me then the insights Mm, to go, okay. okay, Andrew came over and hired me here. He said, this didn't work at his gym how do I solve this problem now to keep people mm-hmm. in that gym, right? Cause it's simple. I mean, it's just a simple trade. Then the more people I can help uh, reduce churn in a business, the better prepared I can get a coach 
then that scales really well. Individual doesn't scale. It's yeah. great. I love it. But every new person is work. What are, what are your thoughts on with the group model kind of balancing, you know, you said it earlier, like what people want versus yeah. what they need. Um, maybe trying to achieve long-term progress versus yeah. short-term variation and keeping mm-hmm. things fun. How, how do you think about that? Yeah, that's a, a great question. And that was, I feel like what made what I was trying to do in the facility programming landscape unique because I've not only done the programming, but have run a gym and been on both sides where I was you know, totally off the schedule, just doing coaching development. And I realized that no matter how good I made the programming, if we didn't communicate that to people, they will go to what they see. They go to what's flashy. That's just how it is in anything. If I go to a car lot, like I'm an idiot with cars, I'm like, all right, so it's, that's a lot of horsepower, right? Like, I don't know. I don't know if that's good. I don't even know if more is good. I just know that's what I've heard and I've seen it and I see a, a Ford Raptor that is sick and I'm like, how many horsepower? I don't, I don't know. The wheels are kicked out. So I, I want that. But the more we can educate people specifically about their training, then the, the better it is for the members. So that became the bridge was not that the gym programming had to be so good. And I put so much time into making it perfect. The time became explaining it to the coaches on the staff because if they don't explain it well and the members go, I don't get it. Let's say we're doing uh, some progression. We're doing a front squat and pull up progression because in three months we're going to do Fran. Mm-hmm. So we're doing some absolute strength and muscle endurance work. doesn't look anything like Fran. So they might think, well, that wasn't that hard. I wasn't breathing. I didn't fall on my back. And who's going to get the blame then? The coach goes, I didn't, Tim's an idiot. So I have to help them be armed with it. If we can do that, now they will enroll the people, uh, hopefully. And here's, I, I get it. This, why was it on my back? Well, here's actually why. Because here's how it goes. You wanted to, said you wanted to, get to the real core of your goals. Now we can focus on coaching them and say, you wanted to lose weight. You want a better body comp. Well, being on your back every day, here's the effects of that. Now we can start to talk about real retention. If we can have that conversation, that's my bias in this. And I know that's not for everyone, but for people, I think that do want to start trying to have those conversations with people from a gym. I know I get to have that individually. I know we got to have that in our gym. And I think that Without that, I, I don't know how we're not just competing against workouts with people. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's one of the things that we, we really uh, opened our eyes to a few years ago. It's once you get the, the week of programming set, like only half the work's done. You know, now you got to create the notes to translate the purpose. And we have yes. our head programmers, it used to be me, now it's our head coaches, will we'll break down, okay, what is the purpose for the day? We break it down to how we want the, the room to be staged. Mm-hmm you know, how, what weights we want people to choose, how it should feel and all those little things is really what gives that workout context because, you know, realistically just seeing it on the page does not tell you a lot. I could, I could, I could see a workout on the page and I could present it one of three different directions just based on the outcome that I want to make it for that day. And it's important that, you know, as a programmer, we translate that. Big, big time and your nail on the head because 
what something means to someone else is some totally different interpretation to a different person. And I had that experience at a gym that I was doing their programming and I was dropping by to meet with the owner for something. And I heard the coach go, okay, it's a, you know, say it's an eight minute AMRAP. I forget the exact number because so, so it's a sprint. I'm like, what do you, you sprint, you, you sprint your mile. Do you? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> wow, that's really impressive. It's impressive because I know uh, other people, they are hitting their Dave Waddle in the 72 Olympics. 800 meter run, right? 26.2, 26.2, 26.2 every split. So yeah. he didn't go faster at the end. He paced and that's in a couple minute run. So when I started hearing that, I started going, okay, I'm missing out on this. Now these people are going to try and sprint a workout that I had designed over a week to fit a specific area. And now they're not going to reach their goal. When they don't reach their goal, they go, oh, Tim's workout suck. So, right. And, and then we're not even having the conversation about coaching. We're talking about workouts, which are, I mean, right. a small part of what any, any gym does or any coaching relationship is. Yeah. The workout's right. essentially a, a canvas yes. and it's a pretty much still a blank one. There's a little bit of work there. And then that's where the intention, the coaching, the delivery, that's what's really painting that canvas. A hundred percent. And so with my individual clients back to the time piece is why most of it is communicating that them understanding their split them understanding monday is your you know let's say uh, strength endurance anaerobic day tuesday is this wednesday we're going to run that progression so they know what they're supposed to do here uh, with a gym it's harder because everyone now their physiology can respond to things differently uh, let alone you have people that don't come every day some people just come tuesday saturday some people come you know, every day when you try to tell them not to come. So how do we now arm the coaches with these tools to, again, to coach? So what I see facility is leveraging those parts that there's still a really good amount of work to be done. But the, the part that can scale is me putting the workouts together for someone to put me, put those session plans together. The part that can't scale is I can't call your members for you. Hey, yeah, Andrew's real busy. This is Tim. You don't know me. You didn't hire me. He did, but... It doesn't, it doesn't work that way uh, at, at you all. You blew my workout last week. You did terrible. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I want to let you know. Yeah, we're real disappointed over here with you at HQ. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Totally. So with, with the individual design being the piece that scales the least, yeah. yet is a place that you're spending the most time, like how do you, how do you sort of justify that? You know, how do you how are you, how much time do you spend with a client? Like an individual client, how long does that take you in a given week? Yeah, it's now a lot less uh, part of uh, what I also have a program design course where I teach other coaches how to do this stuff is my thing is it has to be faster and, and more accurate. So I'm constantly, we're going through assignments and trying to get the workouts for me to be written as quickly and, and accurately. It can't be one or the other right? Here's your sloppy ass workout or here's this thing. And I can, most, most coaches on the other side is they're taking so much time to do it. They're spending a few hours and like, they're going like, all right, wall ball, what, what to pair with that? And they, it, it, it's like, they're trying to use the force to create workouts instead of having a specific method. So as I've done more and more clients, it's forced me to both be more uh, quick with it. And I can't sit here in la la land to mm -hmm. put someone's workouts together. Uh, the way I justify uh, the individual program design 
has changed. I, I, we were talking about before I started working with uh, John Swanson and his consulting company uh, to help my individual program design grow and it's been really good, has been going, really raising my rates a lot on mm -hmm. that to then justify it. Cause we're safe for a long time. I was maybe around $200 a month, which okay. seemed good. Cause I thought oh, that's good. It's kind of this. And the part of the struggle I found was how do I say this? Part of the struggle was when it's too low, sometimes people don't have the wherewithal to see it through. Mm. Right. There's they almost get, like a little cognitive, yes, a little cognitive dissonance that nothing invested, nothing lost on it. So making sure I'm getting clear enough about, like I said, I work with former athletes. I'm really, really good with them. If someone's not a former athlete and they want to like, sometimes I try and do it just, I like to try and figure it out, but I'm not the best. I'm not in martial arts. I'm not the best white belt instructor. I'm, I can do what I've done thousands. That's not my jam. My thing, like two of my Olympians or technically three of them in Taekwondo were right there at the brink where they couldn't get over this last hurdle. And I come in and I'm like, here, I know how to solve this. I know how to help. Here are the pieces to follow and hopefully it, it works. So again, getting really clear on that. I don't have time for the white belts. Someone else is gonna run those classes, same thing. So uh, by doing that, by you know, getting more clear has helped get people that want it more now. Like if they come in at a higher rate, they most likely want it more. They're not just like, yeah, we'll do a few months. We'll see what happens. Hey, whatever. I don't gotta pay the mortgage this month. We'll, we'll go train. They, they want this. So now I have someone also who wants that transformation more. Do you share what, like what you're charging today? Like how much that difference is? Yeah, for two different programs. So for what I call medium ticket is now uh, anywhere between three to $400 per month. My high ticket is $1,500 per month with a six month minimum. Now is the $1,500 per month look similar to what you were delivering before, but now you're just actually getting value for that time? Or have you had to completely rethink the way that you deliver your service? Uh, at, at the core, I mean, yeah, like the coaching, still the coaching, but what the things I've changed is now I've had to get really, really clear with myself, with my, uh, everyone that helps me on staff. Like, I mean, I'm not a one person show. I have other people that are helping make sure to manage clients, make sure the onboarding's correct. I had to get clear on that and not just, yeah, I'm mm -hmm. all fired off from my phone. You got <laughs> the stuff you need. But here's the first thing I have to solve. If you are someone who's an ex-athlete, right? And you are now in worse shape than you've ever been. Here's usually how they get there. And I can you know, recite most of it now is that they try and do something they used to do in training, mm. right? They go, I'll do my old thing there. Well, what's different now? Well, I'm 41, I'm not 21 at the Olympic Training Center. So I had not one bill, which is funny to think of not having one bill in your life. I didn't have any bills when I trained there. So we didn't have jobs, they paid us. All we did was train, ate, went to sports med and slept. So from a training standpoint, you can add a whole crap ton of stress to someone. Your body can handle it. You end up in eustress, not distress. So your body can grow in the desired direction, right? 41, I go, I should go, this is my best shape win. This is what people do. This is my best shape. I should do that. And so what happens now? They work eight, 10 hours. They have a wife, they have a couple kids. 
stress, 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 stress. Our body can't distinguish between good and bad stress. And they go, ah, oh, now either they can't do the workout or they get pissed off they can't do it, right? So now they get into a psychological trap of like, what the crap is wrong with me? I used to be able to be, I was, a, I was an awesome athlete. Why can't I do it? And they stop doing it all together, right? Or like, so they end up in these kind of different traps there that happen. And so I've got to create a system to help solve that quicker and not, yeah, we'll get around to that in six months. We'll, you know, we can. Like I'm not skipping steps, but I'm thinking for this person again, what is the number one? What is the number two? Number three things I have to solve now to get them to do the long-term training they really need. I love that. When you're, when you're getting, now that you've really dialed in this niche and you're getting these clients to come on board, how much of it is the mental emotional side versus how much is the the tangible program design side yeah yeah the, i mean on some hand it like you're walking with your left leg and right leg is 50 50 it's really 100 it's, it's both but if we don't get them to understand that they don't need to do the gatorade montage rocky four uh, training sequence to get in shape because that's what they did to get in shape like yeah. they were legitimately in awesome shape from doing crazy beat down workouts. They were right. They, you know, oh, I did that and I decided to snatch after it. And then we ran 10 miles. They're not lying. They really did that. But it's cause they, you know, parents paid the bills or the college scholarship did this and you can load people up with stress if they're talented and they have that. So they have to help them see this path, right? So we have to get really clear on what we call the facts. And it's emotional, it stinks. So it has to happen. If I get them the workouts that are wrong now, so most of the workouts, what I try and show them, uh, one of my clients is actually Lindsay Valenzuela, right? So same thing. She can work, we're old weightlifting teammates. She's awesome. Now she's a mom, uh, runs a CrossFit gym during COVID, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it, it's a lot of things. We all know this path and you start going, God, I'm doing the stuff I've done. Why is it not working like it used to? And so we have to get really clear on what the facts are, right? Lindsay has her own set. Everyone has their own set that we have to look at of how we got here. And it can be uncomfortable for people. They feel shame in it because they think they're supposed to be able just to like all outwork it almost. So, I mean, so many people I work with think they can just outwork their problems. Yeah. I should just, I'll just get up at 4 a.m. tomorrow. I'll, I'm going to, now they, I'm going to jockle willink it and I'm going to hit the <laughs> ground and do my 10 miles. And you can do it for that day until you can't walk for the next week. So these are specific patterns I've had to try and get clear on so I can uh, systematically solve it, but also have that base to now go off on the individual areas, right? I'm not just throwing them in like a course. Yeah, here's, here's probably step one. It is knowing this, uh, to help get them there sooner is really what it comes down to. And then what about on the front end in terms of getting these clients to now go into these medium ticket and high ticket offers? What, a, you know, I don't have to share necessarily the whole process, yeah. but what are some of the, the one or two key insights or key transitions you had to make that would now get people to want to sign up for this? Cause I imagine you can't just do what you were doing before and say, Oh, the price is 400 yeah. bucks. You have to present it differently. Uh, right. Uh, it really, for me, and I've been online longer than many people. I've been coaching online almost a decade. Uh, they're a little short of that, I think. So 
I've gone through a lot of iterations that maybe some other people haven't. So I acknowledge that. You have, well, you have a skill set there and, and maybe an audience, but at the same time, some people could look at it as a disadvantage, like people with their memberships are like, I don't want this person's grandfathered in. Sure. So I don't, I feel uncomfortable charging more because mm -hmm. I'm already charging less to someone else. Right. A hundred percent. So uh, for that, it, when it came down to that, I wasn't coaching fitness and I always felt like uh, I was a fitness coach, a strength and conditioning coach, your, your personal performance coach, whatever it was, it was so broad. And if I say I'm your fitness coach, my question is, how do we know we got there? How do I, how do you know you got there? You are going to be unhappy. When I say I'm your, I'm going to get you fit. What does that even mean? So I had to get clear about what this transformation meant for you, what it meant for the people I work with. So again, so much of it was just cutting off all the other stuff of like, but I can, I can do this. And you see all the projects I work on. Cause I'm like, I want to solve this. And I, I think I can crack this code. It's been very good for me to do those, to get good at my skill set, to get there faster. Having too much on your plate makes you either crack or you're gonna uh, get really efficient at what you do. And so I like to think I got pretty efficient at some of it, but it also came down to, if, like I said a few times, if someone's hundred pounds overweight and they don't have these characteristics first, if I say, how important is it for you to wanna make this change? and you're under a nine, I don't care what your goal is, I won't work with you. Even if I want 15 pounds, it's, it's, it's an eight. Hey, best of luck. I just, I just know from my method for who I work with, that doesn't work, they don't buy in. I, I can't, no matter, no coaching trick I can do gets them there in the end. I can't like wizard mind them to it because they don't like you said they don't want it so back to the emotional piece absolutely then it came down to this this is what tied it together was now i knew who i served i knew exactly like what was the stuff so i knew what to talk about finally and it wasn't hey are you unfit who wants to be fit what does this mean what does it mean it's hey are you a former athlete and now your kids on the soccer team and you're supposed to be this stud. And you tell your kid about stories when you're a stud, but you really don't want to be there kicking the ball around with them because you're not warmed up yet. Didn't do your stuff and you're hit, right? Now we're hitting on some pain points very clear about who I want to work with, right? And that was a big change. I love that. I love what you said about the, uh, the are you a nine or 10 out of 10? Because that's not just their ability, their ability to reach the results. But that is your, literally your enjoyment as a coach and your reward as a coach to be able to be fulfilled by this client and working with them, not just the financial side, but if you, if you get to the result and neither one of you are that excited to be there, then what was the point of working together in the first place? Yeah. Like we're just going to like, you ever get people that do that? Like, Hey, throw me some workouts. Like, sure. Like, like what's the, <laughs> what's the point of this? Like, you want to go on a date? Are you, are you looking for a relationship? No, what are we, you know, what, what's the point of this? If I'm looking for a relationship, why do I want to date anyone who doesn't want a relationship, right? If yeah. you don't, then cool. Yeah, go, go do Planet Fitness. It's a bunch of people not looking for a relationship, not looking for a change. But if you want that, right, it came back to not taking dates with people that, uh, you know, we're taking the dating analogy who didn't want a serious relationship. 
What else do you want the coach or gym owner to know about like this transition from, you know, charging someone $200 a month to be able to charge double that as your lower offer. And then, you know, six, seven times that as your higher offer, what else do they need to know that you wish you would have known a few months back? Yeah. That, that I had all the external pieces per se. Like it wasn't like, Oh man, I need to get on true coach. Oh great. I got true coach. Awesome. People you'll see that in people's bios. Like I have true coach. Like, like, that's a tool. That's like advertising your gym as rogue equipment. That's a very 2011 thing to, you got rogue. Oh, I should definitely pay you 200 bucks a month. It's not it. So it's, uh, they focus on these other parts and I had all the parts. I didn't know how to make them fit together like I needed to justify it. And that was, again, it came back to me that I didn't know how to solve that problem quicker, specifically for this niche. I, I wasn't clear on it. And I don't know if I, honestly, I, I don't know if I would have, I saw the turnaround from hiring a coach to not, not having one and how quick it was. And it's like that in everything. Anyone that wants weight loss, they try on their own, they get a coach and, and we're, we keep guessing. And that's what I was doing. And I'm a fairly smart guy. I do have my own programs I do for other gyms. So I can read the tea leaves of what's happening in industry. But uh, once I put it together a certain way, it just, uh, it, it changed. It, it so changed. now that this, you have this alignment and you're, you're seeing this success and this individual design component go way up. You said it was roughly taking 60 to 70% of your time. Yeah. So do you see actually that going up and saying, okay, I want to spend hundred percent of my time here or 95% drop the other stuff. Are you saying, you know what? I could actually have success in this area, make everything I want to make by cutting it down to 40% of my time and then spending the other 60% on other stuff. Yeah. That, that's uh, the, the topic of the day around the household. Uh, we are going pretty hard uh, right now on individual design for a lot of reasons. COVID has been very challenging. Uh, the, the, at the start of the year, if you would ask me, I was looking to scale my facility programming and the youth empowerment systems. I was looking to scale those the most because they're one program. I can add the bells and whistles to it, add other parts, and it works for every gym. That's great. The issue is now gyms are, if they're open, right? We've I've never lost more gyms this year than them being shut down. And it's the saddest thing ever. Or ones that are friends that say, Hey, Tim, we love it. But you know, this is, even though we understand it's not worth the time to do this on our own, we physically have to do this for the money on our own. And that's part of it. So I think that uh, in another year, that'll change over this 2021. I'm hoping that changes and gyms get back up on their feet and, and do it. What I want to be able to do is be able to run those as uh, where I don't need any of the revenue from it now. So I can give them more support systems and more staffing to do stuff without my time. So it'll be a little more higher level stuff for there. But uh, the, the ceiling right now is higher than I imagined it could be for individual. I thought the individual had a harder ceiling and that the gym and the kids would have the, the better scale. Right now, I'm finding the individual has a much higher ceiling if you can do it right. And uh, some of the ads I saw, and I don't know if these people, I don't, I, I don't, never looked into Tanner's stuff. If you see that, or you know, I uh, listened to about every Lynn Trends podcast when back when he was doing high ticket consulting. I'm going, ah, is this, you know, is this for, you know, what I'm finding is 
yeah, it is absolutely possible to do that where I didn't really think. So I thought, guys, I've been doing this. This is about the, the cap and talking to other online coaches all running into the same cap. Now I'm seeing that ceiling has been broken. And, and, awesome. and the ceiling is much higher than I previously perceived it to be. Just from a delivery standpoint, how are you delivering the service through COVID? I mean, like, are you assuming that everyone's going to be doing your workouts at home in a global gym type environment? I'm just curious with when you find a client, then it's time to execute. Where yeah. are they doing their workouts at? Uh, all, a lot at home. A lot of people that just have a single dumbbell. They're like, God, are they, you can't get dumbbells now, so I can't tell them. Hey, get this. There are people just body weight only. Some states, my one of my friends in South Carolina, their gyms are open. So he's in the gym and they can do that. So it varies state by state. So I have an intake form that I use and we update it regularly on our Sunday questionnaire. Every Sunday I have a list of facts. I check in on how people's week were, if they need, if they're a body composition focused person, they have to upload their new photos whatever uh, protocols I have for them. And I have a series of these that I need depending on, right? If it's one of my clients, like for Dusty Highland, I train and I don't need him to send me naked photos, right? I, I mean, he can. It's just a nice bonus. Look, it, it's part of the job. It's, I, I don't want to brag about it, <laughs> but, uh, but if that's what they are coming for, they say, hey, my relationship with my husband stinks and we get to the core of it and it's, they don't feel good in their own skin. Their change is going to be about body composition. I'm not going to try and tell them, well, your triglycerides are better. I'm sorry. Uh, you don't feel attractive to him, but this is better, right? That's where they're at. Like I said, it's that initial part getting them there. Once we break that first thing, now I can focus on the long-term coaching parts of, yeah, I do want them to be healthy more than anything for a long, long time, but that's not why they're, no one's calling me saying my work capacity across broad time and modal domains, Tim is just garbage just hot garbage. Can you, can you please solve this? So you brought up this, the relationship component and I have to ask like, where do you draw the line and maybe not draw the line of like, Oh, I can't help you with that, but draw the line in, in realizing, you know what, maybe this is out of my scope and maybe I don't want, I don't want to overstep my role as kind of a, a fitness coach. Yeah. That's how do you think about that? Yeah. That's always tricky. Uh, if, you guys know Sharon Preet uh, is a coach. She used to uh, do like life coaching certification stuff. And she has a term called detached caring. And I always try and bring that like, I've got to care, but I can't make like, if it's too much and I'm trying to like get fired up about it, is it triggering something in me? And then am I trying to solve my own crap through my client? That's no way. I mean, I grew up the, the son of a clinical psychologist and a social worker. I see these things that come, you know, people think that some of it you can solve through your work and you can't. The work's got to be the work. So I've got to try and get them as clear as I can on what the facts are and what they're looking for. And some of it, uh, I mean, I'll readily admit with one of my athletes, it was more personal for me than probably it should have been. It was, he was a 2016 Olympian and he was a teammate of mine on the national team. I, Steven Lambin, when I started working with him, uh, he was a buddy and it was like, I, you know, went to Rio a month before my daughter was born. I got into a lot of crap about that, about that probably wasn't the wisest choice, but it was over. Like I, like I had to do this and that was for me. And I knew that, but I knew it. I told my wife, like, this is, I have to go here 
for me to do this, right? So if we're unaware of that, and I'm sure there's other parts I'm unaware of, and I'm doing that with every client, what am I going to go to every single event around the world? There's no me left to, to give. I have no well left to give from. So I really try and keep that detached, caring uh, part in there. Of Like if I'm getting too fired up, it's probably some weird stuff going on internally and I have to look at that so I can give you the solution you not want and not like, you know, but that's, I, I think everyone or many coaches do that, right? They, oh, I got you a better Fran time because they wanted a better Fran time when this mm. person wanted to look better naked. Yeah. Right. So let's get them looking better naked if that's what they want. And individually I can get clear on that. You, you said the question, like, how do you know you got there? You said that earlier. One of the questions we ask a lot is what does success look like yes. to you? And we love that question. Sometimes we'll assign a timeline to it. Yeah. Like, hey, what does success look like to you in 90 days if we work together or six to 12 months from now, if we work together? How often do you have to check in with clients on kind of that broad question? Because one thing that I found is that that definition of success evolves and it can change sometimes in a matter of days or weeks because something shifts in their life. Do you mm-hmm. have, is that part of your Sunday check-in where you're doing that or how often do you have to reassess? Yeah, uh, definitely first on just daily uh, workouts on follow-up, seeing if I'm telling them they want to be a better, let's say that this person comes and they want to be a better crossfitter, for example. And I say, okay, well, there's a series of things we have to get good at. And one of them is absolutely increasing their aerobic capacity to where they can make sustainable contractions on odd movements, right? They need to be able to make wall ball needs to be rest. And double mm-hmm. these, all these basically just need to become rest for them in their workouts. And if I'm getting stuff where they're bored, or they're like, ah, I, you know, I really want to lift heavy right now. Why isn't my deadlift going up? I'm like, do you want to, you want to just lift? Like we can lift. That's awesome. I love nothing more than a little absolute strength work, easy cardio, some body comp and let's hit, hit the, hit the snack bar. Right. And get, get a protein shake. But so if they're daily, not really like, oh man, I feel better on this. I can't wait to hit this comp. That's a daily thing that comes up weekly. Absolutely. That's a question I have for everyone relative to their goal. They feel like they're moving forward or further from that goal, right? Restate your goal, right? Uh, and if they, I need them to do it over because they'll maybe not even have clarity. They want it, but they're not even 100% sure what that is. And as they start moving on the journey, that goal can shift. Uh, that woman who maybe doesn't feel so good in her own skin, maybe she starts to lift a little and is like, you know, I actually want to get stronger. Okay, well, we have to talk again now. Do you want to get stronger or do you need to solve this? What is that? that area we're looking for. And then finally, quarterly goal setting, especially for ex-athletes. Ex-athletes are really unique in my opinion that they can get in shape faster and they can get out of shape faster than most people because they have seasons to their sports. So they're good at ramping up and they're good at when the season's over to have it be party time. And man, I still will never, you know, one week after a tournament was always the best week of the year for us. And we do that four or five different times for competitions, the eight week cycle, one week off. And we knew exactly what to do in that week off, but without another competition date, ex-athletes, what do they do? That one week off turns into four weeks off, turns into four years off yeah. and their body wears uh, the repercussions of that. 
So they need to have not just a goal, they need to have something connected to their training every quarter to keep yeah. them attached. And it can't, it, you know, if it's too low, they won't be motivated. If it's too high, it may actually re-trigger them to where if I say, good, you used to play soccer at the college level. We're going to go back in a soccer league. They can't balance it. It's like, now they're like staying up at night, scouting players and stuff and ignore, right? They're going to miss their kid's uh, graduation because like, I got soccer game. They're back in that same world. So it needs to be serious enough. Like if I say, we're going to go do a yoga class. They don't need to stop drinking for yoga class. Like what will get them to do it? So that's the trick is every quarter I have to get something that uh, is meaningful enough that they will do it, but not so much that now they're calling in sick to work. Yeah. Yeah. I love, I love what you said about what I take is kind of like reading between the lines. There's, you know, when we, I think you worked with clients through true coach and I work with a few and have over the years, um, you, you see these little misalignments in what they're saying and what's maybe being asked of them or the excitement that they had. And you could feel it through the writing and in their first couple of weeks and you're seeing that drop off and how often I find that when that happens, I got to call someone like I got to yes. get them on the phone. I got to meet them in person. Is that your protocol or you found it a way to maybe scale that? Or is it just come down to, you know, what? I got to get reconnected this person. Yeah. Someone's got to reach out. Uh, some of those parts initially in the first month, having a protocol that I'm going to follow up with them, of, you know, things like here's, how, did you fill out your true coach? That's one of the biggest meters of success. If they're filling that out regularly, leave me comments. No one is 100% compliant weekly comments, photos, and is like, you know, I don't really like it. It's really rare. It's really rare. If, if that, they may be someone that's too needy in the process then and is looking for something else there if, if they have a pushback. It's really rare that happens. So uh, making sure I check in with them early and getting them set up again on what are these habits. One of the biggest habits they have to do is fill out their true coach daily. Even on rest days, I don't have the generic rest day, they have specific rest day tasks so they can follow up and I, I can see exactly how they're doing. Uh, from there, I have staff now that's able to check in with them on those initial parts on my behalf of, hey, true coach hasn't been filled out. Is everything good? Uh, the workouts were too much. I, uh, it's, I thought I could do three, I can do, could do two. Again, they push back and it goes bad. We can start to solve that. So in a lot of ways, what I see is growing, there's, parts of the gym that are very familiar now where you know if you run your gym you're gonna have other coaches reach out uh, they're just because it's individual doesn't mean it has to be all on me and i have to carry this enormous burden but uh to to do it but other parts like i don't have to have a series of coaches on staff that i try and get them all like a client roster or something if that makes sense yeah yeah um Cool. I want to talk a little about the, the youth empowerment system and shift gears here um, to finish up. And, you know, it's something that we actually use at our facility and we kind of, uh, after using yours for about a year, kind of created our own a little bit that, you know, uh, we just kind of evolved from that program. But I think it's such an amazing program. Yeah. And, you know, we really loved the values-based system. Is that what you guys call it? Or do you guys call oh, it character driven. Character -driven we call it character-driven character system. Yeah. So level-based. Yeah. And we just love that, um, you know, we really see a difference in our kids. And I was wondering if you've used that in adult classes as well. Yeah, adults are harder 
they're adults in fitness, in my opinion, and adults in group fitness are the hardest to coach and from my perspective. So I, again, I always- Why is that? Elaborate on that. Yeah, uh, a, a couple reasons. Let's take it from, you know, just we talk about the famous quote from Frederick Douglass. We have it on the back of some of our shirts. It's easier to build strong children than to repair broken men. And I'm paraphrasing. But there's everyone comes in with their biases. Now let's look at someone's group class and anyone here can uh, agree. If I said everyone at your 5.30 p.m. class had to wear the same shirt, would that work or would that not work? No, well, my shirt's blue. Well, actually, I like a long sleeve when I do. I don't like a shirt at all. Right In our system, in a martial arts school, our background, you don't come in getting to say what you want to bring. I, I want to I wear a black uniform. I want to do weapons today. Like, all right, good. Stand over there and say, yes, sir. That's all you're going to learn today is you're going to learn how it works. So martial arts schools are really good at, here's what you learn first. Make your fists like this. Stand at attention. Here's how we show respect before I'm teaching you any skill. Right. Uh, there for adults in group, they have so many options and so many people are, I think, dangling really shiny objects around them that there does become a, a part where we get back to the workouts, the efficacy of the workouts that many places do feel like they have to keep up with exciting workouts to try and get them to their goal when the goal is the goal. And I see that coaching individuals, not one, uh, gosh, like, it's really rare when someone goes, hey, Tim, these workouts aren't exciting enough from an individual coaching standpoint, especially for sports. Any of my sport-specific athletes, it was never a question, say for Stephen Landon building up to the 2016 Olympics. There was never a day where he goes, you make it a little more exciting, right? It's like, because he has the, here's the goal, here's the thing to do, this is the end result. That's it. It's all we got to do, right? Where now in group, we get, these other dynamics happening. So they want it to be fun. Some people want weight loss. Some people want to relive their uh, glory days. Some people are trying to be a hero. Some trying to get, you know, whatever stuff's happening and we're trying to do them all together. So it's very, very challenging to do that. In addition, now we have the compliance factor that with the kids in our fitness program, when you're a beginner, you wear a white shirt. When you attain these specific skills, you become a blue shirt. When you attain these skills, you become a black shirt. You, this is how it works. This is the method. So everyone has to fall in. So it puts the coach in charge and the kids, can't, Billy, who's talented, can't say, you know, I really want you to teach me snatching today. I go, good. Show me your plank. Oh, you can't do it for 30 seconds. Well, and from an assessment standpoint, not necessarily snatching and a plank would be the correlation, but we wouldn't teach someone these movements if they couldn't pass A, B, and C in an assessment standpoint. For individual design, that's how it works. I say, good, unless you can do a dumbbell Powell raise like this, unless you can do a single leg loop bridge hold for this many seconds, et cetera, you don't even go to resistance training, let alone awesome stuff. In a group class, that can be harder. Now, developed and mature gyms, I believe they do a good job of now enrolling people on exercise selection, things towards their goals. I'm not just making a straw man. There's many gyms that do a really great job on that, but it's still a challenge compared to in our kids' fitness class, this is what the group does. A coach is in charge and that's the thing. In a martial arts school, everyone knows who's in charge, right? They I love get, that. They don't get to, the tail doesn't get to wag the dog. So do you think it's possible? Do you think if someone really did dial in their group class and they built a martial arts style gym around functional fitness that it would work? Yeah, 
Yeah, I, I do. Uh, I've personally wanted to try and do it like that. That's kind of what I ended up. I'm like, oh, I want to solve this problem. It would be, here's what I think it would look like. It would be smaller, much smaller gym, much higher, uh, you know, cost to be a part of it. Cause you would now be surrounded by people that are all coachable, all in there. So it would be a very different model, maybe something, you know, I don't know if it necessarily even be group. It'd probably be something closer to an OPEX licensing model mm -hmm. uh, there where they pay more. They're there for their specific thing. So yeah, there's definitely other ways to do it. Now, is someone going to type in the comments that their gym has done this and solved it? I'm sure. I mean, there's lots of smart people out there doing this, but uh, the irony is it would, I think it would take longer to build, but you would have those people there longer. If you said, here's exactly how we're doing it. You're almost like a gym, an old Jim Jones type mm -hmm. gym or something, right? Like 2007 Jim Jones out in Utah where you know, sit on the porch. I don't know if you can come in or not. Yeah. Come in when well, you're ready. well, it sounds like very much what you're doing with the individual design stuff online is you're not really trying to get a gym of even 50 people at first. Mm -hmm. You're trying to get a gym of 10 people yes. maybe that really buy into this. And then as a byproduct of that working you know, you can, you can slowly grow that. And maybe you do end up with something that looks more like uh, a regular functional fitness gym that maybe has a hundred members, but it's a very slow growth to get there. Yeah. That, that, that's a good insight right uh, there. And I see that with my own individual design. I have, uh, you know, let's say about that many people that uh, everyone's there. This, this is the specific thing. Granted they're on their own. They don't have to come meet me. I have a big pool to choose from, but no one's worried about what someone else is doing on my roster, right? Yeah. Here's your training. You do this, eat this, sleep this much, go walk this many steps in a day, get sunshine before this time. And they're good. Where did the motivation for the yes program come from? Like where, I mean, it sounds like you had, you definitely had a skill in it from the martial arts background, but where did the desire to help kids specifically come from? Uh, well, so my buddy and my old roommate from the Fit Training Center, uh, Anthony Graff, ran a kid's uh, fitness program at his gym, CrossFit Threshold in Miami. And uh, he's the one that's figured out like, hey, they, everyone's saying this and they really need this, right? And that's why his CrossFit Kids program has maybe somewhere between 100 to 120 active kids in it at wow. a full price membership, not oh, it's a $20 punch card and they'll come when they, when they want. You can't develop character seeing people every so often, right? I'll, I'll get your character next month. Good luck, right? Uh, here's your workouts for home. It doesn't, doesn't, kids don't work like that. Kids need repetition. We know that I have a four-year-old daughter and we've seen Frozen 2 how many times during the shutdown, right? They, need, they want to hear that story over because they're learning. They're a blank slate. We can't give them variants because they vary from what? They have no foundation to build from, so they need repetition in the lessons uh, there. So uh, a lot of it, it came from there. For me, I wanted to license it just because I saw uh, how many people were trying this or you're in the forums and they'll go, oh yeah, we have a successful kids program. We have 11 kids and you know we charge 40 bucks a month. And I'm going, there's no way you're able to really get people to help change your community if you're helping with 11 kids your community has more than 11 people most likely and kids do need fitness lessons i believe they do want the fitness but 
the issue from my perspective is that if it's just about fitness, well, the kids whose parents are in shape, where do they probably go? They probably go play sports. And the kids who are out of shape, well, why are they out of shape? Because it's their choice or their parents' crappy choices. Probably their parents. So now we're meeting no one, right? The kids are already getting it. They're going to leave you when it's football season. The kids, right, they're already fit. Thanks for the four weeks. So now you're constantly doing like old boot camp sales, six-week boot camps every so often to fill your gym up. And that's a hard way to go if you're not charging a proper price. And then on the other side, you get the kids you really want to help, but you can't connect with their parents. So seeing that was like, here's how I can help the most people with this. If I did my own program, I can do some, but if I license this and package it up, I can now get into every city and hopefully start to uh, try and make a movement. And that was the idea. Was if I get a uh, hundred gyms with a hundred kids, that's, and do the math, I think 4 billion, I, I think that's incorrect, but it's a lot of people I can uh, help bigger than myself. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I think one of the themes I'm getting from this, this episode, the recurring theme is that we do these things as coaches and gym owners that we think we're helping out our clientele of, you know, charging them less to be in our programs or, uh, you know, the person who's an eight out of 10 yeah. instead of a nine or a 10 out of 10. We're like, we still want to help this person, yes. you know, or in the case of kids, it's like, we're going to charge them less and do, you know, a few days a week. And, yeah. you know, and then what ends up happening is no one really wins. You know, they don't get what they want. You're not helping the people that really need it. And you are not fulfilled and productive as you could be. T totally. I, I, that's a, I think that's a really good insight uh, there on that. If you get that person, especially in a group, or you ever go, maybe this is a better uh, analogy, you ever go to a party and you drag someone that doesn't want to go and they're there and now they have crappy energy mm -hmm. and now the whole party's not as fun because there's someone butthurt on the side. It's like, if you get that person who's a seven in your gym and they're, you're like, come on, we're going to do this thing. It's going to be tough, but we're going to come on, we're going to conquer it. And they're like, I don't know. It, now the next person who's an eight is like, I don't know either, right? And the whole thing starts to drag and you can't get momentum to get where you wanna be. Uh, I had someone tell me this when I used to do intros, we used to do one-on-one -on -one intros for our gym and I would get everything set up for the client. I get the rower out, here's your little ab mat, here's your stuff and I get it all laid out for them. I was gonna give them the best white glove service I could think of. And they go, well, when they sign up, who gets the, do you get the rower out for everyone every day, Tim? No. You get this out for them? No, they go, so your job is to teach them how to get the rower out. Every step of the way of this process, you have to reverse engineer what you have to teach them. And I was like, holy crap, I am, by trying to be helpful, I'm being an enabler. That I, Tim will ultimately solve your fitness for you, and I can't. I'm good at my job. I can't solve anyone's fitness for them other than themselves. So that's why, again, getting back to the individual stuff and the clarity of high ticket was what are these things I have to help them solve? The most important things I've got to do, even more important than my precious workouts, which I love. I love my tempos, I love my progressions, I love it all, but I've got to get them these things to help solve them to where now where the stuff really can, can matter and they can do it on their own. Nice, there's a psychologist coming out of you. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> I love it. Um, cool, well, I think we should wrap up there. I think that was a perfect spot to wrap up. Um, awesome, man. 
let uh, let the audience know where can they find out more about you, what what you're doing, and maybe someone wants to work with you too. So um, where can they find you? Great. One of the easiest ways, uh, just on the gram, you can find me at Tim Thack on Instagram or Tim Thacker on Facebook are probably the two biggest places I'm at just lurking around and, and talking to people. Uh, or you can go to juicecompound.com uh, if you want to see the site. But it's funny now. Uh, it's changed. I haven't had an ad run in months. I haven't had the site organic right now is really where it's at. So, so follow me on, on organic Instagram and Facebook. That's where, that's where it's at right now. Awesome. Well, thanks for making time, Tim. Enjoyed having you this conversation. I appreciate it so much. Thank you. And I look forward to talking to you soon, my dude.